This is the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Hockey is more than a game. It's a lifestyle. It's you, the diehard supportive fans, your favorite players who are on the team you cheer for and the organization who supports them. The companies that make your gear, bags, and beer league sweaters, the hockey moms and hockey dads, and everything else that makes this House of Hockey your home. Come on in. I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. And And this this is is our our house. house. It's playoff time. You know that. Big stakes, bigger promotions. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $5 into $200. That's 40 to 1 odds on any basketball game. All you have to do is pick any team that is still in the hunt for the trophy. And if that team wins, you will receive $200 in free credits. That's right. Pick any team that is still in contention. Bet $5. And if that team wins, you cash $200 in free credits. All it takes to claim these 40 to 1 odds on the basketball team of your choosing is placing a $5 bet on that team and that team to win. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. If you haven't already, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and when you sign up, use promo code THPN, that's THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network, when you sign up to turn $5 into $200 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game. And if they do, you can claim $200 in free credits. That's promo code THPN when you sign up and for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, Make sure to call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. How's it going, everybody? You are listening to the House of Hockey podcast, and we have a superstar in the house today, although he doesn't think he's a superstar, but he is technically a superstar. Cam Connor, he's a Stanley Cup champ, and we're super excited to have him on and to uh, have you guys listen to his interview later. Oh, yeah. Um, that's breezy, by the way, if you're new and haven't heard the show before, I'm Ray Ray. (laughs) (laughs) Cam is incredible. Such a nice guy. Had a legendary career in, in the, in, well, in the world hockey and the NHL. Um, played with Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier, along with a slew of other, yeah, (laughs) like, (laughs) (laughs) All the guys and has a Stanley Cup full of stories. So engaging. I mean, I I, we didn't even get to touch on everything on our list because it just like he was just so good at sharing such detail about everything we were asking about about you're going to you guys are really going to enjoy this this conversation and his point of view on on things in life after hockey and during. Yeah, and it's also really cool, too, because he did play on Montreal Canadiens when they were playing 
the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and basically the last time that the two teams had met and the two teams are currently playing each other again since that time so I guess it kind of you know all works out um but it's a little scary for me because he's right they uh the Montreal Canadiens have not lost to the the uh Toronto Maple Leafs in uh in the playoffs uh, when yeah. they were playing way back when so uh hopefully the times have changed and we'll see something different, but um, for the sake of Cam, we're super excited for having him on here and hear about his Stanley Cup run that he had. Oh yeah, it's a good story. He talks about his ring. He They even used to get jackets back then. And then he, the fan attire, you got to hear about that. I'm not going to spoil it, but like you're going to listen. And I, I think I came up with a really good idea. You can reach out to the marketing at the NHL, so you'll hear that. But um, <laughs> speaking of the Leafs, uh, that Tavares hit? whoa that was insane and so hard to watch i i was like i had to force myself to watch it because i knew we needed to talk about it and Mm -hmm. i really didn't want to like i just didn't i didn't want to watch it you never want to see somebody a hockey player even if it's not on your team get injured like that in a freak accident (gasps) so i guess the latest go ahead that honestly might have been the worst uh hockey accident that i've ever seen um it was to the point where like you just didn't want to watch it and it's it's one of those things and I don't think I've even seen uh anyone say the comments that I was reading of take this the content down Mm. you have to respect you know the privacy of him and his family and his friends and but I think people do want to see it because it it is a very real moment of of what had happened um obviously everyone's behind John right now and they they want him to get you know better quick and um glad he's okay but yeah give everyone the update yeah this just in when we were recording he uh is going to be out for two weeks at least uh yeah obviously um with a knee injury in addition to a concussion but it seems that he didn't have any you know major uh damage all of his tests you know came back clear Clear, i mean the whole thing you know giving the thumbs up on the ice that's always a good sign just meaning that he has motor function and and the ability for his brain to control Mm -hmm. his body but like whoa and you gotta love the not companionship camaraderie maybe is the word with the c that i'm trying to think (laughs) from uh the canadian player who compassion maybe yeah who when i i i'm drawing on his name too it was Corey perry Corey perry right i always want to say price and that's not right Corey perry um price is the goalie but he went over you know and just you know gave him the like stick taps you know like hey man you know you're gonna be okay like that was a freak accident yeah uh Corey perry has quite the um the history of dirty plays. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot of, you know, people on one side saying it was dirty and people on the other side saying it was an accident. Um, Oh, come on. Either way you can, you can kind of agree that Corey Perry, regardless of his history, didn't want to intentionally hurt anybody the way that he had hurt him, whether he tried to jump or didn't try to jump. It was a freak accident um did he mean to do it probably not people are always going to say a Corey Perry is a Corey Perry um I don't like the guy 
he's probably one of my most hated players, but I, I definitely don't think that um, he, he did it on purpose. It was a freak accident. Yeah. Um, and he was, just... Johnny is going down and Perry can't slow down and isn't seeing it at the time because he doesn't think he's going to be falling, you right. know, the way he got checked and is going down and you can't slow down. You can see yeah. him try to move out of the way and and mm -hmm. move his legs he doesn't think yeah. that that's gonna hit him in the head like come on I the guy doesn't have enough of... wherewithal to figure that that all that's gonna yeah. happen when you're and trying to get just... out of the way exactly and there's a lot of uh i would say controversy around that entire play not only just with the hit but with the fight afterwards with nick felino and Corey perry a lot of people are saying that was a stupid fight like it wasn't necessary the guy already felt bad about it. Uh, Nick Foligno was just sticking up for the captain, which uh, any player probably would have done. And if it would have happened to the opposite team, opposite team, I'm sure it, it would have been likewise. But Nick Foligno uh, did fight Corey Perry afterwards for sticking up for John. And I think kind of having a, um, a stand for the team. The, that whole game ended up turning kind of into mush. I think that as much as you would want you know, the team to kind of fight for John and, and feeling, you know, the emotions from both sides because everybody was feeling emotions at that time. It doesn't matter what team you're on, how big the competition is uh, or the rivalry, you're, you're just stuck in a mode at that point. And that whole team or whole game, sorry, not the whole team, the whole game just turned into just, I don't even know, sloppy Joe's. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So yeah. Yeah. The, um, the Boston series, has been exciting to watch with the Capitals. Ovechkin's got over his 800 goals now. I think he's at like 801, maybe more. He's got some fire on the sidelines. Ovi is like not happy with some of the things that have been going on. Um, Taylor Hall is still thriving with the Bruins and... The Canes, they're bringing back their storm surge, which is exciting, even though it's like to honor the frontline workers and the performances are more honorable as opposed to like creative fun. But mm -hmm. I'm still glad that they're doing them. Yeah. And Jeff Carter is doing phenomenal uh, since the trade to the Penguins. Uh, it's tough to see as a Kings fan, but super happy for cards. Uh, Penguins could honestly win the cup with that addition to the team. Uh, Whoa, made some, that's some a good statement, calls, Breezy. But I'm just saying they they have some fire under their butts right now, and I think that they could they could really do some damage there. It's exciting playoff hockey. It's here, baby. It's here. I got my first catering gig uh, this past weekend. Um, when I was camping the weekend prior, my, one of my brother's best friends asked me to cater his, uh, his poker tournament. And so I did. So I, I had to, uh, you know, throw a menu together. I had to get my website up. My website is now published. Uh, if you're to a local area, you can email me and I can give you some, uh, quotes on some meals if you want some food. Is it breeziesbbq.com? Breezy's Barbecue Pit.com. Spelled out or BBQ? Uh, just BBQ. So yeah, I did it. It was crazy. I was up. I had to start the food at midnight the night 
before because I worked all day on Friday. So I had to like delegate. I had, you know, thankfully I had a little bit of a team that was able to help and get some stuff off. So we were able to uh, be, have a successful time. And I think it went well. He said the food was a big hit. Uh, so yeah, I, the first one's down. Yay! I'm and I so actually excited. have a meeting today after this podcast on my second one. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Even yeah. Ringo agrees. He's barking. Even Ringo agrees. That's so awesome. I'm so excited yeah. for you. Thank you. Yes, Thank everybody you. in the California, Southern California region close to Los Angeles, schedule your Stanley Cup party meals oh. now with breeziesbarbecuepit.com. There you go. Nice plug. Nice plug. <laughs> Make sure you guys are like rating and reviewing us on iTunes if you haven't already. Just a friendly oh, reminder. Yeah. Just a little oh, yeah. reminder. You know, if you've got some downtime in in the intermission of the playoff hockey you're watching, you know, think of us and just log in really quick to your iTunes. Five-star review drop a couple of comments in the in the in the review with rating and you know be on your merry way it takes like less than a commercial break to do it you could it you can totally do it or if there's something that you see in a game or if you have any questions for us or anything you want us to talk about uh or even if you just want to come on and chat with us for a brief little moment mm-hmm. we'd be happy to bring you on so yeah. uh shoot us an email house of hockey podcast at gmail.com Our podcast is proud to be on the Hockey Podcast Network, and the network is home to many other incredible podcasts, including this one. Hello, hello, hockey fans. My name is Nick Berlansky, host of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My co-host, Nick Horwat, and I talk all things Pittsburgh Penguins, from top news to game analysis and other unconventional hockey talk, we've got you covered. New episodes every Monday. Tune in at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcast from. And let's go Pens! This week we have former pro and Stanley Cup champ with the Montreal Canadiens. We're here going to hear all about that. Uh, Cam Connor. Cam later became the assistant coach for the AHL's New Haven Nighthawks. He played for the Habs legend team in the Heritage Classic and was inducted into the Manitoba Hockey Hall of Fame in 2016. Now Cam hosts the podcast called A View from the Penalty Box. And you're going to hear a ton of great stories right now. You have quite the resume in hockey. You played for the Jets, the Canadians, the Oilers, and the Rangers, plus a handful of minor league teams. Uh, can you just take us through like a little stroll of your life for playing with all those teams? Like a short version, because I'm sure yeah, there's yeah. like, like how do we yeah, cover yeah, such a career, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, I grew up in a place called Winnipeg, Manitoba, where the Winnipeg Jets are from. And um, so I don't know if you knew, but there used to be two leagues one called the World Hockey Association and one, obviously, the National League. And when I got drafted in 1974, I was the number five guy chosen in the drafts. So there's only four ahead of me. And I was offered a lot of money by uh, the Montreal Canadiens. I was offered even more money 
by the Phoenix Roadrunners. And so I knew if I went to Montreal, I'd be a household name, but I was never, I, I didn't care about that. Uh, if I could have the money in the bank and nobody knows who I am, I'm fine with that. So anyways, I decided to go to the other league. So I played in Phoenix for a couple of years and the team was having financial problems. So they asked me, having one of the higher contracts, if I could, you know, go somewhere else. So I volunteered. I said, yeah. So they sent me to Houston and I got to play with the great Gordie Howe. Uh, even though he was born before me too, you all heard his name before. Mm-hmm. And uh, then from Houston, I signed a seven-year no-cut, no-trade contract, and they folded after two years. And so I decided to get out of the world hockey um, and go to the Montreal Canadiens. In Montreal, I played on a team that had just won three years in a row the Stanley Cup. And when I got there, we won the fourth year in a row. And the next year, this world hockey merged with the NHL. And um, the Oilers, Glenn Sather, he knew me from playing against them. And he made me the first guy in the expansion draft. So I came to Edmonton. And he told me, he said, Cam, you're going to be here a long time. Buy a house. That's the kiss of death. So I bought a house. And we were on the road. We we're actually in Montreal getting ready for a game. And the trade deadline is at 12 noon on a certain date. And it was 10 minutes before 12. And uh, I was going out to practice a little bit early because it was a noon practice. So it was 10 to 12. I had a bucket of pucks and ready to go. And then the sports came on. So I told the boys, let's get to scoops. Hear what happened today. And the first thing they said was Cam Connor traded to the Rangers for Don Murdoch over the radio. So Semenko and and Wayne Gretzky, they said they were looking at me and my jaw just dropped. And uh, so... Goodness. So anyways, that night I was on an airplane to New York. And the next day I'm in Madison Square Gardens with the Rangers team pitchers. And I'm smiling away. Team pitchers, I don't know one person in the pictures with me. And then I, I played there for, uh, I had a lot of injuries. I, I broke my hand three times. I cracked two vertebrae in my back. I partially separated each shoulder at least six times, broke my ankle, cracked my kneecap, uh, cracked my ribs. I wiggled my teeth every which way, but I didn't lose them. <laughs> I got, I had over 300 x-rays. I, and that's not including CAT scans or bone scans. Um, I've had 150 stitches, mostly mostly in the face. Well, you, you had, can't tell, honestly. Well, Your face you looks know, great. Well, you know, the <laughs> I actually was telling the team physician many years ago, I said, I had 150 stitches, and he looked and he called bullshit. And so, but here's the secret. It's the truth. When you just get stitches and you get cut pretty good, um, you put liquid vitamin E on it while there's still stitches in there. And so the guy I talked about earlier, Mike Backman, he got in a fight one night in front of his mom and dad in Halifax. And this guy just drilled him under the eye and it looked like a fish hook and it cut him for 57 stitches, one punch. And this might gross you out, but we would, we could pull his cheek out and you could see his tongue. Okay. Oh, I know it was gross. <laughs> and so Mike, you know, he was uh, he was a pretty good looking guy. 
and he's looking in the mirror and he's going, man, look at my face. And so I told him, put vitamin D on it, man, it'll help you. And then his girlfriend at the time, she said, oh, that's not going to help, Mike, don't do it. Don't. And he said, I, I'm, I'm going to try. So I ran into Mike a number of years ago. And you'd never believe that was 57 stitches under his eye. It did a great job. And when you put the vitamin E on, you're not talking about do it two weeks or four weeks. You put it on consistently for six, seven, eight months. Like you put it on every day. And so, yeah. So anyways, I got on the topic because I do have 150 stitches in the face, mostly in the face. So anyways, so I had a lot of injuries in playing with the, you know, with the, Edmonton and Munch and, and the Rangers. And uh, they ended up sending me to the farm team for the first time in my life. And I ended up in New Haven. And the next year, that was Connecticut. And next year was in Springfield, Massachusetts. And then the next year, I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And the team folded after six weeks. So we played every single game on the road. Oh we, we just played every game on the road. We didn't have a home base. And um, we won the championship that year. And so we, we lived in a hotel room out of Denver. So I've probably lived in more cities in the States than you two have. It certainly sounds like, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. What's your favorite place you've lived? I got to say, you know, to me, it always boils down to the people that you meet in that city. And that's how I see, I like this city versus, you know, there's nothing going on here. So I gotta say, probably in the States, I mean, in New York, obviously I lived in New York too. Um, in New York, I had great neighbors, I loved them, but I was single in Phoenix and Houston and uh, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, those cities, met a lot of great people. So I gotta say, you know, Phoenix and Houston were great. and. We travel to San Diego all the time. And if you've been to San Diego, how do you not like San Diego? Agree. It's true. It's true. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> what about your so, favorite Canadian city? Well, this, Canada and the States are a little bit different, in my opinion. I mean, Canada is more conservative. Now, not every single guy and every single woman are conservative. But for the most part, maybe if I was a little wilder in the States and I come back to Canada, they would look at me like, what are you doing? You know, I go. <laughs> so, you know, it, living in Canada, I would say Montreal is a great city. You know, Montreal's, a, you know, they're up with their fashions. And when I played in, it was called the Montreal Forum at the time. The French people used to, put suits on and ties to come to the games and the ladies got dressed up like it was an event because the Montreal Canadians were so popular in Montreal that when it came time to go see the Canadians, um, the, you know, the, we just got so much publicity. And like I said, the fans would get dressed up like they're going out to symphony or something. I don't know. I feel so like much. the NHL should bring that back and do like a night across the league where fans get to wear like a black tie. How cool would that be? Well, I I gotta say we were the classiest rink in town. Like everybody <laughs> dressed up and uh, they it, it looked sharp. They everybody looked sharp and uh, you know. But back in those days, you could smoke in the arenas, and uh, who some of the arenas some nights. 
it was a fog. Like it come right down to the ice, and you could you can't even believe. You know, if you are sitting next to somebody in a bar, for example, and they're smoking, your clothes smell like smoke. Like my jersey would smell like smoke after. That's how much smoke was going around there. Oh, wow. I know. Wow. So. Wow. Different. Okay, wait. We we talked. You talked briefly about being in Montreal. Let's go right to the cup. Give us like, give us the setup of what it was like for you at that time when you got to the team. You said they had won three years in a row before. Now you show up. What's the pressure like? Was it just fun? You were the class. You had you had the fans dressed to the nines. So like, yeah, they really were. Very it was cool. uh, you know, when you grow up in Canada, they for the longest time they only had six teams in the NHL. You know, with I think Detroit Rangers, Boston, Toronto, and Montreal. That was it. So if you lived in Canada, you either were a Leafs fan or you're a Montreal Canadiens fan. There was no two ways about it. And in Montreal, they're mostly French people. In Toronto, they're mostly English people. So, you know, between being the only two teams, you know, from Canada NHL, plus one's French, one's English, there was a natural rivalry. And so I was well aware of the tradition Montreal Canadiens had. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I was told that they've won more, excuse me, championships, you know, in hockey than any other pro sports teams in their category. So, I you you know, so I, I think we're sitting there because when I look at my Stanley Cup ring, they said there was a diamond on it for each time they won the Stanley Cup. And I think if I remember correctly, there's like 24, 25 diamonds on there. So anyways, so I knew when you go to Montreal, uh, they expect some good hockey, good caliber hockey. So that summer when I decided to go from Houston to Montreal, um, the World Hockey said, you can't go because your contract is still with the World Hockey. And um, anyways, we had to go to court and fight it and uh, – Montreal Canadiens knew us from Winnipeg and Winnipeg was the team that had my rights now in the world hockey. And they, they wanted to talk to me that summer. Montreal said, we don't want you going into Winnipeg over the summer because they can work on you and you may end up signing with them. So they said, we'll send you anywhere in the world, you and your wife, anywhere in the world for two months, we'll pay all the shock. We'll pay everything. Now that's a great offer, except to go back to your question, I, I knew what to expect in Montreal, and I had to show up in shape. I had to. And so I dedicated myself to working out all summer. And, um, you know, I remember with the Rangers, they would give us a body fat test. And there's three ways you could tell body fat. One is they use these calipers, and they put it around your triceps or your waist, and and then the other was this kind of like an ultrasound gun that shot into your muscles and then it bounced back. And somehow there's a formula to figure out your body fat. But, you know, we used to get fined for being overweight. So we would tense our muscles when they were trying to figure out body fat, right? So it'd be the, it'd say, relax. We said, oh, yeah, I am relaxed, but I'm tight as could be, right? So then the other way is the most accurate is... It's like if you go to a grocery store and you say, well, how much is this way? There's usually at least to be scales that you could 
put your food or whatever you're buying on and it kind of the top wiggled around and it finally come to a stop. Well, that's the same thing with measuring your body fat underwater. So what you have to do is you exhale, you sit on a swing, just like you see in somebody's backyard and that's underwater and it pulls on the scale and you have to exhale to get all the buoyancy out of you. And so with the Rangers, we have to come in at less than 9% body fat. And so I weighed about 205 pounds and I came in at about 8.2% body fat. And um, everybody came in under 9% except for one guy. He came in at 10%. And we used to say to him, we look at him, you say, you fat F word. And we used to abuse him. And today... I'd be pretty happy if I was just 10% body fat. But uh, so anyway, so I worked hard, came in good shape to Montreal. (laughs) But they had such a powerhouse team winning it three years in a row. They only lost one player and they added four more great hockey players. And so I didn't get to play nearly as much as I would have liked to. But I also know when you go to Montreal, Canadians, the guys that have been there a while told me, Camp, don't expect that you're going to start immediately and get a regular shift because that's not how it works in Montreal. They keep you out of the lineup. They keep you on the bench. And they sometimes will do this for two to three years so that when they finally give you a regular shift, you are so hungry that you just say, I'm never getting out of this lineup. But you work hard and you do what's got to be done. So I was prepared for all that. I didn't get the kind of shifts I wanted. And uh, when we started the playoffs, we played the Toronto Maple Leafs in Montreal. And Montreal, they won their first two games. Montreal was a fast skating, smooth hockey team. Whereas Toronto, they were a bunch of grinders that would bang and clutch and grab and fight. And, And so our goalie, his name was Ken Dryden, who's in the Hall of Fame. He came up to our coach, Scotty Bowman, and he said, you got to start dressing Cam and put him in the lineup. We got to go into Toronto's rink now against those guys. He can help us. And so Bowman, he did. He put me in the lineup. So I'm all excited. It's called Hockey Night in Canada. And so that's where that game is shown from coast to coast in Canada. And any hockey fans is watching it. So I remember my mom and dad were watching it, all my buddies. And I was so excited. I dressed I didn't get a shift the first period. I didn't get a shift the second period. I didn't get a shift the third period. I didn't get a shift the first overtime. And in the fifth uh, period, the second overtime, um, our team was starting to get tired because our coach only went with three lines all game and Montreal and the Toronto Maple Leafs went with four. So the longer you go with three lines, the guys are getting tired. So our coach looked up and down the bench and I happened to look at him and then he goes, okay, Cam, get on the ice. Don't overhandle the puck. And I was laughing. Anyways, I got out there and uh, I scored a goal. It wasn't, you know, one that I could brag about. Like it was just, I went through three players and picked the top corner. It was, I got it on my backhand. I broke it on a partial breakaway and I went to, fake a backhand and curl it to my forehand and in theory I should have an open net and as I went from my backhand to my forehand the goalie was trying to move with me and he opened his legs and he took his stick off the ice and my puck again I didn't try to but it went through his legs and scored and so a goal is a goal is a goal 
Well, you won't believe how much abuse I took for that goal <laughs> from the Toronto Maple Leaf fans. Like the oh, God. like the goalie was for the Maple Leafs was all over me for scoring that. And then they interviewed me on Hockey Night in Canada. And you know, one day when you got nothing to do, you could look that interview up. And the guy's name was Dave Hodge, and he cut me up. He was a commentator in that interview. Third. 15 times in three minutes and i almost want to tell the guy would you f off yeah you know it's just like why, what's your though? problem buddy? like why well, was again, it so wrong to have a five-hole goal again you just watched that interview okay. like and, and so what he did is they did the interview the next day and after the first interview and you know he was pretty rude but I don't know. I thought I had some pretty good answers. And then when the first interview was over, he said, oh, this didn't tape right. We got to do it again. And I remember thinking, yeah, I bet. So we did it again. And then that's the one that you'll be able to see. And, um, you know, that was my first time on Hockey Night in Canada being interviewed on the National. I was all excited. And like I said, you know, I didn't even know to look at the camera. I was just pretty young. And so anyways, he carved me up. And somebody said, well, why did why didn't you say something back to him? You're not going to win. He's got the mic. He can cut out whatever he wants. And I could look like a fool at the end of the day. So I just shut my mouth and I went on with the interview. And I didn't see that. Probably I never saw that interview or my goal for 25 years. I didn't. I never really recalled it. And then it popped up and I found it. And then when this guy was cutting me up, I got mad. And I go, that dirty prick. <laughs> Right. So anyway, so anyway, so I got my goal and that was my 15 minutes of fame. Nice. And then uh, I went to the Oilers, played with Gretzky and Mark Messier. Wow. And uh, then I went to the Rangers. Like I said, I heard that on the radio and then, you know, so I kind of bounced around, but uh, I enjoyed myself. Sheesh. Wasn't there a story about uh correct me if i'm wrong didn't you have food poisoning and your name uh, wasn't going to end up on the cup <laughs> well, you know i didn't want to make you guys hear my whole story but you're 100 percent right so you know after i scored that overtime what? goal it was the third game of the first round of playoffs and it's and so the next night we played the leafs again and i got a regular shift and i had so much confidence i honestly i said to myself I'm going to score this goal. I'm going to surprise everybody. I'm scoring this overtime goal. Just give me one chance with that puck. I'm freaking scoring. I was yeah. pumped. And as it worked out, another buddy of mine, Larry Robinson, scored the winning goal. And so the next game, the next series, we're playing the Boston Bruins. And uh, they're a big, tough, good hockey team. And I probably played, and I don't remember for sure, probably – four or five games in a row, regular shift against the Bruins. And um, and then we went out to eat before we took our charter flight back to Montreal after the game. And the only thing I can think of is I ordered clam chowder soup and whatever else. So the next morning I go to get up and I am sick. So, you know, when you played hockey in our day, we used to bond by going to drink a beer at the bar. And so you could never, when you play pro hockey, you can never just like you could do a nine to five. Oh, I'm sick today. I'm not coming in. They say, bullshit, come on in and let us look at you first. So I phoned up the team doctor 
And I said, here's the symptoms I got. And he just said, you know what? The flu's going around. Just stay in bed, drink plenty of fluid, blah, blah, blah. You know, if I was a name guy on the team, you know, we had on that team 10 Hall, Hall, they're in the Hall of Fame now. It was such a strong team. If I was any one of those guys, they would have checked on me every single day and how you doing. But I was just a foot soldier doing my best. And so they, uh, you know, the team doctors. So I was laying in bed for nine days and I went from 205 pounds down to 180 pounds. And I had, you know, diarrhea and throwing up at the same time. I couldn't eat anything. My eyes would look like a roadmap. They were just redder than can be. And so finally I phoned the doctor up and I said, doc, I don't, I don't think I've got like the flu. So he said, well, we're practicing this morning. Come on in. So I remember walking in the dressing room and the guys in the team looked at me and they have their French accent and they go, Cam, you look like a skeleton. And oh, like I was thin. And so we went to the doctor's office and they stick the scope inside you and he looked around and he said, my mistake, you have food poisoning. Now the problem was what? I had it for nine days, this poison in my system. Now the medicine, what they they gave me, I can't remember. Um, it cured me. The radio, I said, oh man, I can feel me get better. But I, I missed all the playoff games. Oh. And, um, and so as the summer progressed, I ended up having chromosome problems. Um, but the doctors, I saw six orthopedic surgeons all across Canada. Everybody had a dis different idea of what was wrong with me. I couldn't work out. I had pain in my joints. And they said, oh, you got, you know, rheumatoid arthritis. You've got one leg shorter than the other. And I just told my mom, <laughs> hey, was I born with one leg shorter? Because no. <laughs> what are you talking about, right? So anyways, um, to get, you know, anyways, that was my food poisoning. And, and I had lots of problems because of that all summer. And uh, when I got to Edmonton, and I'll, and I'll get back to my name on the cup, when I got to Edmonton, Glenn Sather, the coach GM, looked at me and he said, well, what's wrong with you? Because I was skinny. And he said, I told him, I said, I had food poisoning and, and I still have it. And I don't know what the problem is. So he said he had a friend of his that was a good doctor. He's 82 years old. I still remember his name was Dr. Kidd. And this was November. I was still suffering. And so I went to Dr. Kidd and he said in all the years of practice, he's only seen one other person that had what I had. And again, he got me on medicine and uh, that helped tremendously. So back to Montreal. And I didn't find this out till 25, 30 years later. I had no idea that they were contemplating whether or not to put my name on the Stanley Cup. And what I found out was that there was an NHL rule that said, you know, you have to play a minimum, I'm going to say. Hang on. Stand by for to... news. Stand by for news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's okay. So We're you, casual you have, here. Yeah. So you have to put in, a, I want to say, 30 or 40 games during a regular season, your name would be on the cup. Or if you played in the final series for the Stanley Cup, and that was against the Rangers. Well, I had food poisoning. So I missed that, and I only put 23 in, but I was on the Canadians all year. I didn't go to the farm team. I was in every practice, every road trip, you know. And so 
the guys, we all got along so well. Like we, even though I wasn't playing regular, I was a part of that team and I felt it. Never a doubt in my mind. And so I see my name on the cup, but you know, I'm grateful. And then I find out, you know, because I didn't qualify for that 30 or 40 games and plus because I didn't play that last series, then your name's not entitled to go on the Stanley Cup. And uh, there was a famous hockey player who was on that team. His name was Yvonne Cornwayer. Um, he's probably has his name on the cup six, seven years. Um, outstanding hockey player. And he was with Montreal probably 15, 20 years straight. And they wouldn't put his name on it because he had back surgery the first two weeks of training camp. So he was out for the season. So they said, well, Cornway is not going on there and Connor's not going on there. So we had three players who were our player reps. And the names may, name, might not mean anything to you, but it was Ken Dryden, a guy named Doug Riseborough, and another guy named Bob Ganey. And so they said, well, these are our teammates. We want their name on. They said, sorry, they're not going on. So then those three guys came to my and Yvonne's rescue. And what they said was, if uh, you don't put those two names on the cup, you do not have permission to put any team member's name on the Stanley Cup. Just put the 78, 79 Montreal Canadiens. So, you know, the NHL didn't want that. So they said, well, we'll make an exception and uh, we'll, we'll do it. So then they did. So that's how I got my name on the cup. But I didn't know this. And so I'll be forever grateful because, you know, when you see the cup, if somebody – Say, well, I know a guy that's on there. I mean, I'm on there, right? So that's pretty nice. Um, that's pretty yeah, cool. that's that's yeah. the ultimate goal in this in this well, sport is yeah, to have your name yeah, on yeah. the cup. You know, and not just get, team and, of '78. And, and to get that Stanley Cup ring too. Oh yeah. Do you, Do you wear it? The, um, you know, I did, and I retired from uh, the nine to five life about a year ago. And I've been working my butt off in the yard and painting fences and really working hard. So I just put it away. Yeah, I haven't yeah. worn it for over a year because I figure, you know, why if I'm using my hands working. Um, so I'll bring it out one day again. But I used to wear it. I didn't wear my wedding ring because um, the gold, I would get a rash underneath my ring. So my wife said, how come you got the Stanley Cup ring on the right hand and you're not wearing your wedding? So I said, okay, okay. So I switched it over to my left hand. And so I, I, I wore it for you know, ever and ever up until last year. Oh, that's awesome. But okay. do you ever see the rings nowadays? Oh my God. Yeah. Did you see yeah. the one for the lightning with the, with the cup? It like turns and locks into place. No, I didn't see that. It does. They well, have like the Lord Stanley's in the middle and it, turns and you can see like r hidden writing underneath they're incredible no kidding yeah well we had uh you know the ones the montreal canadians they gave us uh i would say smaller stanley cup rings they're still nice um and they said well we don't want to get those big gaudy ones this looks better and i'm known to my saying to myself yeah you guys are just cheap buggers that's the reason you didn't want bigger <laughs> ones but having said that I've seen Chicago and other teams Stanley Cup rings, and they are freaking massive. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, you know what? I honestly, honestly, I don't want that kind of attention. Like when I walk out, or like I'm a little billboard bragging that I played. Look at what I want because it shows. 
And so I, I, I wouldn't award because, you know, I would have been proud of it, but I, I didn't want it to seem, I wouldn't want it to seem like I'm trying to show off every time I walk out because you can't help but see these rings. So I don't know if it's such a good thing to have it so big. Yeah. That's my own opinion. And yeah. it's just like the Montreal Canadiens jacket back in the day. They were like a, a really rich red. And uh, they gave everybody these beautiful spring Montreal Canadian jacket with a Canadian emblem on it. But you could see somebody wearing that a mile away. <laughs> and so when I got it, I said, man, I'm so proud of this. But then I said, you know what? I can't wear this out public because then everybody's thinking I'm showing off. So I said, I'll wear it when my career's over. So now my career is over and I look at it and I say, well, I can't wear it now because now everybody thinks I'm living in the past. I'm a hot dog. <laughs> so, so I never did wear the damn jacket. And as it worked out, I had a guy in my house uh, doing some work and a freaking guy stole my jacket out of the house. So I, no. I, I never, I never wore it, but you know, that guy stole it off me. So I don't have it anymore. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. oh, That's I've a had, bummer. I've had hockey jerseys stolen out of my house. Like, you know, who, who and you try to keep it. Criminals you're hiring, Cam. Come on. <laughs> well, no, I think so. I should ask you, listen, do you have a prison record? Like, yeah. let me talk to you. Right, so. I see why you're doing all the work yourself now in the yard. Yeah. Was, painting. But you're like, no yeah. more no more people yeah. in the house. I, I still need to yeah. keep at least my Stanley Cup. Room. Yeah. Like, yeah I got, I've, I've got nothing to give you. Although they do give you miniature silver Stanley Cups. Right. And a couple other trophies. So I've got those hidden away when I got workers coming. Yeah, in. you better. You better. Oh my yeah. God. What Ooh. is it that you think? I feel like what you were saying about, you know, not wanting a ring that's so gaudy and giant and showy. Um, you know, it's hard to wear something like that on a regular basis. And I think I think it's common across hockey players to have more of that, like, humble, not wanting to be so showy about every all of your accomplishments and that humbleness that comes with it do you did you find that amongst the players that you played with or is that a cam only quality but i think that's a a hockey quality i don't know be honest with you would anybody else i mean the guys that got it today are they wearing it every day you know just recently i, I don't know but i do know when i lived in houston there was a high school junior high or high school that only had like 400 kids in it and they had a football team and I think it was junior high and uh, their quarterback their football team were on the front page of the Houston Chronicle or post whatever it was called this young 15 year old and he's getting all of this press and you know what it's pretty easy to start thinking that you're pretty special and you at that age when you get it and this is what some Americans had told me. They said, you hockey players are so humble. And I'm trying to think why. And I said, you know what? Because nobody cares about us back home until you actually make it. They're like, you know, I did okay at 15 and 16, but I was lucky if I got my name mentioned in the paper once. So I think nobody cared about us. So we never took ourselves too serious. And, uh, you know, not until you make it do you get a little bit more publicity. And maybe... At that point, you realize that's not that important. Like that's my thinking. So for me, it's not. Yeah, you know, I don't. I can't speak for anybody else, but I, I just couldn't. I don't want to 
try to draw attention to what I've accomplished, which is just minor things, really. Uh, I wouldn't say well, minor. <laughs> well, in the sports world, it's good. I mean, to make it to the pros and be a hard... I mean, there's a lot of positives, but as you ladies know, uh, you know, it's like, you know, the people in your life, you know, when you have kids and you grow and, and you're a good role model. I mean, there's other priorities in my mind that trump, you know, hockey accomplishments. You know, I'm not, I'm glad I did it and made it, but I just know, you know, maybe I'm maturing now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I've just got a little more mature. I'm not so sure. No, I hear what you're, I for sure hear what you're saying. You know, it's not just about that. It's not, your life isn't just about, winning the cup and and carrying that past around with you it's a part of you and your experience and things you've accomplished but there's no, it's not just that because life well, isn't it, yeah. just yeah. hockey you know i mean you i can, can only I play can, for so long yeah. no no and, and and again i without naming names but i mean i know guys that uh had who who they really live in the past and you know these pumped the chest out and they're just all talking hockey and and i just think you know what we had our day and move on right like yeah. move on and so you know this is wonderful for me to live in the past and to talk about these experiences but you know that's that's just my thoughts anyways yeah exactly so. well you said that you were selected uh first overall in the uh, edmonton oilers expansion draft right uh, and you got to play with gretzky how was it playing with him uh versus playing you know these other legends that you that you played with well i did and wayne was in messier you know they both accomplished quite a bit in their careers and they were 18 years old and there was another guy named kevin lowe and uh, Kevin had a great career, and he's still involved. I think he's the president of the Oilers Hockey or something or along those lines. So I played with these three guys, and, you know, I always kind of laughed. You know, had I known those three guys were going to have the kind of career that they did, I definitely would have had them over for supper a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like, it's, I, I, I never – if you looked at Gretzky at 18 years old, he's, he was skinny, you know, even in his 20s. But I, you know, you, you got to get dressed in front of each other in the dressing room. You know, I look across the dressing room and I see Gretz's body, and I said, "Man, he's got a body of a little girl." And if you know, if I hit him hard, I'm going to break him in two. But you know, when you get him on that ice, he he couldn't hit him. He couldn't catch him. He was slippery. Um, he he knew what he was doing out there. But it was great playing with those guys. And you know what I've learned from a lot of the superstars that I played with, I would say the vast majority of them, and this is why I like them, is because they're humble. They don't have to talk about their accomplishments and, you know, look what I did. And and when I judge somebody, you know, whether I like them or not, and I don't know this is quite the way to put it, but I see so many people, especially when I got out of hockey, who they're kind of a nasty person. And then when some boss or somebody that could do something for you comes by, all of a sudden I see a whole new personality come out of these people. And, you know, anybody could be nice to somebody that could do something for you. And I tend to try to look beyond that to see how you as a person treat people that can't do anything for you. The people that open the doors for you when you go to the hotels, those are the kind of, 
people who like, you know, there's a guy like Gordy Howe and, and Gretzky and, and Messier. And there's a guy named Guy Lafleur mm-hmm. with Montreal Canadiens. They've accomplished so much. Like they don't, when you're with them, they don't even talk cocky. Like they don't even talk cocky. And I observe how they treat people. And you know what, even if they're eating supper or they're busy and somebody wants an autograph, I never once heard anybody who was in the upper level in their hockey abilities ever say, you know what, I'm busy, come back later. They would always drop their fork and their knife and they'd sign, and especially if it's kids. And so they were really good role models for the rest of us, for sure. So it was great playing with those guys. And I got to say, I remember it was in Wayne Gretzky's contract that every year he got a new car. So that's really funny. That's like a funny thing to pick. So that was was just one of many bonuses he got, right? Right. Because, I mean, Cam Connor, I don't have a lot of, uh, you know, people standing in line to get me on their team. You didn't have any asterisks in your contract, No, so I had, you know, lucky ones, little ones. But Gretzky had just about whatever he wants. So he had that in in his contract. And um, so he's from... Toronto, which is about two, three day drive from Edmonton. And he phoned me up and he said, Cam, you got a house in Edmonton? I said, right. He goes, you know, I don't want to drive back to Toronto. Could I leave my car in your driveway? And I said, yeah, sure. And so the neighbor kids, they knew that I played with the orders and they used to ring my doorbell all the time. And they, I don't know if you know what ball hockey is, mm-hmm. but it's just, you know, so we'll be out. So I'd go outside and play with the kids ball hockey in the streets, right? Because I know the kids would enjoy it. So I'd go play with the kids. And now they knew that that was Gretzky's car in my driveway. So now the season's over and it'd be 830 in the morning and my doorbell would ring and my wife would answer it. And she'd say, and they'd, they'd say, could Cam come out and play? <laughs> She, she said, well, he's, he's still in bed. Well, can we sit in Wayne's car? So she'd go out and roll the windows down and open the doors. And we would have four to six kids sitting in Gretzky's car for two to four hours just because it's Wayne's car. Like, they'd just be sitting there. I should have sold them popcorn and drinks and made some money off this. So, you know, Wayne, uh, it, it was pretty interesting to play with, with guys like Wayne. Wait, what kind of car was it? Do you remember? You know, I don't. Okay. I don't. I was, was like, it wasn't years. even anything special or was it just yeah. like, you know, a new Camaro well, or something, well, you know? Well, you know, back in those days, and this would be about 1980, they, the, 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 really the only thing they had was Corvettes, maybe some Jaguars, some Mercedes. But you when you're 18 years old, you don't want a, an old bubble car, you know, you, you want something that, you know, is, goes with being an 18 year old. So, so I, I don't remember what it was, but it was a luxury, whatever it was okay. at the time. So, oh God, that's so did fun. he uh, ever find out that the neighbor kids hung out in his car? Nah, I never told him, but he probably found <laughs> some little kids toys in between the seats or something, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> or like crackers shoved yeah, down yeah, the side, sure. popsicle stain. Or, <laughs> or little notes with their phone numbers or something. Uh, right? uh, I'm sure he thought it was you just playing a joke on yeah. him or something. Uh, you oh know what? God. If I was smart enough, I would have. Yeah. Oh, I would have yeah. put some notes down there. 
from uh, Dolly, you know, yeah, so, so put some name on there, right? So, uh, so I could have I could have had some fun with that because I do like playing tricks, so that would have been good. All right, so give us a, a good prank or a trick you did during your time in the league. Was it just as common to have that happen as it is nowadays? I don't know again about nowadays. I think we were a little bit more immature, you know, <laughs> when we played and. Uh, you know, well, for example, we had a guy in the Rangers named Ron Dugay. And Ron was, he did modeling. He was a good-looking guy, lived in New York City. He was single. He ended up marrying a lady named Kim Alexis, who was one of the top models in the world. And they moved to San Diego eventually. And so Dugay, when it, you have a 10.30 practice, you don't get on the ice at 10.31. You better be on before. And the coaches like it if you're on the ice 10 or 15 minutes early, you know, doing extra work before practice. But Duque didn't care. And he lived in New York City. And it was about an hour, 15, 20 minutes to the practice rink right on the New York-Connecticut border in Rye, New York. So he would, like... I'm a slow dresser. It takes me 20, 25 minutes to get all my gear on and my skates done up. Well, freaking Dugay, he would get in the dressing room at 25 after 10, and we'd say, no way he's getting on. That guy dressed like Superman, put his skates on, he'd be on the ice for 10.30. We'd, so anyways, he pushed that envelope, and uh, one day the guys, they cut all his skate laces on the skates. So he didn't allow that extra 10 minutes or five minutes to re, you know, to do his skates up again. So he got on late. And of course, you know, he got in a lot of shit. And the coach was happy to finally catch him coming in late. So, <laughs> so I mean, good. we we would do that kind of stuff. Like uh, and you know, another time I was one of the highest paid junior hockey players coming out of Canada. So I went to Phoenix and um the guys in the team, they knew that I made a lot of money. So every time we went to the bar, went out to eat, they'd always say, well, Kevin, you pick up this tab. You pay for everybody. And I'd say, I don't mind doing that sometimes, guys, but I'm not doing it every time we go out. And they go, oh, come on. You got so much money. You're single. Come on. And so I, I would I would do my share, but I wouldn't be goofy about it because I knew who were these guys two, three, four years, right? So we... We went from Phoenix to San Diego, and there was a bar after the game. It's called the Bull Weevil. And um, and so what I didn't know, there was a guy in our team that, uh, oh, <laughs> if I see the humor coming, I don't laugh. If I if it comes out of left field, like, it catches me flat-footed, I laugh. And so one guy on our team could always get me laughing. And so what he did, he would always call me tight and never spend my money and never open my wallet. So what he did is in between periods, he caught a moth and he went into my suit jacket where my wallet was and he put and he put a moth, you know, in the billfold area and, and, and it was and he put it back in my suit. So we go to the bull weevil and I say, well, I'm going back to the hotel now. I'm getting tired. So I said, I'll get my bill and I go up to pay. He said, oh, I'll come with you. So as I'm standing there and I open my wallet up, this moth looked like he got beat up comes like a drunken moth comes crawling up over the billfold area and is sitting on my wallet. And he goes, look, he said, yeah, but open that wallet for years. You got a moth living in there. Right. So, you know, we would, we would do shit like that all the time. Just, you know, 
fun that's stuff. So funny. Oh, that's so good. I love the camaraderie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel like you've shared so many great stories already, like interspersed through our our conversation. But do you have maybe uh, a favorite moment of your time playing? Or a story that goes along with it or something. It can be, you know, funny, serious, emotional, whatever. Well, I mean, I swear to God, I, I if I would have, I could have thought about this, put some more thought into it. Because, I mean, I played about 10 years. And so there's a lot. We had lots of fun. Um, you know, I don't know how funny it was, but I thought it was pretty funny. So we got sent to the farm team. And there was a guy on our hockey team who I, I shouldn't say who he is. He probably drank more than he should have. And I was told by his roommate that he woke up in the morning. He'd have to have a shooter when he got up in the morning. So, you know, he might have been an alcoholic. I'm not going to label anybody. Yeah. So he would have a shooter in the morning. And so it was like skating. We had like a team Christmas skate at the rink. And so I had a little guy, he's maybe, I don't know, a year old, two, I can't even remember how old my son was, let's see, probably two, three years old. So I brought him down the rink and was skating around. And so this unknown guy dressed, he's a single guy, he dressed as Santa Claus, the beard, the whole nine yards. And uh, we had, the wife had bought some of the single guys some Christmas presents, nothing much, but just something, right? So then my son's came up to this guy on the ice and said, Santa, I've got a present for you. So he said, oh, and he picks my son up and he's got him in his arm and then he starts talking to him. And I'm standing here, my son says, oh, Santa, you got bad breath. <laughs> you know, and I know what that's from, right? So I started laughing. My, I thought it was pretty funny. So, that's you really know, <laughs> anyways. That's really good. I like that story. I like hearing, you know, just the real, real life of things. Yeah, you know, you yeah. had, you had mentioned that you're, you know, it's not all about your hockey accomplishments, which are many. So tell us something in your, in your life outside of hockey that's been memorable or something that you're really proud of and that you're doing today. Well, it may not seem like an accomplishment, but you know, when your career is over, okay, when you play hockey today, we didn't make that kind of money. You don't have to work. If you've had a decent career and you weren't stupid with your money, you should not have to work again if you don't want to, right? Right. But that wasn't the case with us. And so when your career is over, it's, it's almost back in those days, like you just finished high school and now you got to figure what I want to do with my life, except... You know, you did have some money in the bank to buy you some time to do what you need to do to learn another field. So when my career was over, it's just like great time. Geez, what do I want to do? What should I go into? You know, I'd like to be an entrepreneur. And you, you just really don't know immediately what direction you want to go. And so <clears throat> I wrote down five things that I wanted to do because I figured if you do something that you'd like to do, then, you know, not thinking about what pays the most. If you do something you'd like to do, the odds are you're going to do it well. And if you do something well, the money will follow. So I wrote down five things and I just went into New York City and I knocked on doors 
And, um, and one of the things I put down was computer consulting. Because somebody, a fan that I talked to, said, you know what you'd be good at? He told me about this computer consulting. So I always kept that in the back of my head. So I found some computer consulting companies and I knocked on the door. And a lot of them, I give them my resume and they go, well, it's all freaking hockey. Like, what could you do for me? I said, I was hoping you could tell me. <laughs> and so I knew that. I was going to get a lot of rejection, but I knew I just needed the one company that could say to me, you know what? I think you'd be good at. Yeah. Come on in and we'll train you. And I found them. So they brought me in and I got into what's called the being a recruiter. So you start to learn the terms and what's going on. And then I did that for a year or two. They told me, and I don't know if they're just trying to make me feel good, but they said I was the best recruiter they ever had. And then they put me in sales and I did real well. And I commuted every day to work from what's called Rybrook, New York. It was about, about there and back would be about three hours, 15, three hours and 20 minutes. Every day was my commute to work and back. And, you know, you get burned out every day just sitting on those freaking trains. But I needed New York City more than New York City needed me. Right. Yeah. So there was a price I had to pay to learn a new field. And that's what I had to do. So you do what you got to do. I didn't like it, but that's what I have to do. And you got a family, you got to start finding another path in life. And so when I moved back to Edmonton, I, I know some hockey players, seriously, that had 10 different jobs. They, 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 well, geez, I'm doing this, but it doesn't pay enough, or I don't like this, or I don't like the company I'm with. And they bounced around and bounced around. And it took them quite a long time before they found something that they liked or could make some money at. And for me, I got right into computer consulting. I did well. And I'm proud of the fact that uh, I didn't bounce around. Uh, I was able to land on my feet. It took some effort. Um, but that carried me for 25 years. And then I just one day, I just woke up and said, I don't want to do this anymore. And the wife said, okay, what are you going to do? I said, I'm not sure. So I started talking to people and I got into what's called, it was in the oil patch because the pro province in Canada called Alberta, where I live, it's all about oil. There's lots of oil in this province. So they pay pretty good and uh, it's very competitive like anything else that pays good. So I got into the camp catering business, it's called. And uh, like last year I did, 54 million dollars in business 52 million the year before i was a sales guy so I, I did pretty good and so you know what am i proud of i'm proud that i was able to pick up where i left off in a whole new direction and did pretty well right mm. didn't cause my wife any more gray hairs than i have to <laughs> yeah, with that like whole list of injury you rattled off at the beginning oh, of this yeah. conversation. <laughs> you know, I I, I I dated my wife since we were 15 years old. Wow. And uh, so she so was she... through it all. <laughs> and you know, it's not it's not easy being married to a hockey player that's on the road all the time. And you know, I remember I come off the road and I've got black eyes, I've got cuts in my face and my little boy used to just start crying and he'd feel so bad for me looking at my face. Daddy, and he touched his stitches and, you know, I said, don't worry about us. We're okay. We're okay. You know, that's just what you did. Right. 
So it was a good life. Very not good. so exciting anymore, but it's you know <laughs> still exciting. I would say for sure. You got all the stories and, and yeah. whatnot, but uh, got the memories. Got the memories. <laughs> so I think we should uh, kick off our final four questions. Okay. All right. So we ask every guest these uh, these final fours. Ray and I will uh, will tag team them. So who is your favorite hockey hunk? Hunk. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> no. 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 Wait a sec. As a hockey player, we don't consider each other hunks. Okay, a, a beauty. Who's my buddy? The best <laughs> a, friend? Is that no, what we're asking? No, a beauty. Like a good. Who's a good-looking guy? We ask all. <laughs> we ask everybody <laughs> this. <laughs> Men and women have the yeah, answer. Uh, I'm old school. All right. Uh, um. Well, okay, guys that were good-looking that played hockey. I, I don't. I would never call my buddies hunks because they would laugh at me. Fair enough. So, so that guy I told you about, Ron Duguay, who married the model, top five models in the world. He was, but you know, and my other buddy, Mike Back, they were two good looking guys, but you know what? I, I probably couldn't have hung around with them. There are some guys that, you know, they know they're good looking and they can't walk past the mirror without fixing their hair or making sure their ties it perfectly when they walk out. These guys didn't care if their hair was messy or, you know. And so those are the guys that I tend to like. So I, I couldn't never use the word hunk for sure. <laughs> That's fair. It's okay. Who is your favorite hockey lady? It could be a broadcaster, a player, um, your wife, she's a hockey lady, you know, any anything in that category. There's a, there's a, you know, there's a number of them, but I, this is pretty funny. I don't even remember some of their names, but there is one whose name is Christine Simpson and his brothers is Craig Simpson, right? So I know Craig pretty well. And um, Craig has a bunch of charity golf tournaments that I'm in and she comes in. So you know, again, um, she's not looking to put the spotlight on her. And, you know, those are the kind of people that I'm attracted to, the ones that just don't take themselves too serious and want all the attention when they walk in the room. And she's somebody like that. So I would say her, Christine Simpson. I think that's Christine is her first name. Yeah. Okay. Good choice. All right. And do you have a Sidney Crosby story? Oh, well, I never, we're in different eras, right? Mm -hmm. And so I didn't play against him. And so I would probably say I don't have anything that I can really tell you about Sydney other than, you know, I know what you guys know when I watch him on TV and Read what I read about him in paper. That's about as far as my relationship goes with Sydney. That's fine. Is that we, is that your one of your favorite hockey players? What are you? No, or? so that became a recurring theme amongst all so many of the guests we've had on the show. Okay. Ended up having a Sydney Crosby story or meet him or in some capacity, yeah. and it was so common that we were like, "All right, well now we're just going to make yeah, this yeah, part yeah, of yeah. the." the thing because yeah, it's yeah, funny and you. if people don't it's okay i got um, you for sure we're, we're nah, fans of him i we think I, he's good I, i'm not doing very well in these four three questions so far 
No, yeah, you it's are. Okay. It, they're supposed to be sort of fun and, <laughs> well, and well, okay. you know, whatever the answer is, is the answer. And uh, Yes, for sure. The last question, this is really going to throw you for a loop then. This is uh, <laughs> not about hockey at all whatsoever, but Breezy and I have, have seen and had some otherworldly experiences. And so now we've decided to ask our guests if they either have a ghost story or a UFO story. Or... I do. Oh, okay. Yes. Go ahead. Tell it. Well, um, when I was 20 years old, I was driving in a car with a buddy of mine from Winnipeg to Las Vegas. And you got to go through the Nevada desert at night. And uh, he was driving his car. And I remember... Oh, he didn't have any air conditioning in that car. And was it freaking hot? You try to roll the windows down and is this hot air coming in? And it was pitch dark. And uh, he was looking at his, like when you're in the desert, just picture a flat desktop. Like that's all it is, is flat. And you can see for miles and miles in any direction, any car lights. And there's nothing around us. Front, back, sideways, nothing. And he says, Who's that right behind us in the car? And I turned around and there's three lights kind of like, you know, from corner to corner, like a tic-tac-toe, three dots on an angle right behind us. And I'm looking, I said, well, what is that right behind us? And I, and I look at him and he looks in the mirror and he goes, I don't know. And I look back and it was right, right behind our bumper. And then I look at him, I said, what the? And then we turn around and it's gone, right? And, and uh, I know that um, I saw some of these UFO stories and they were talking about exactly that, these three dots, exactly the way I saw them, that other people have seen them. And I was telling the wife about this story and she goes, so what happened? I said, well, it just left. He goes, yeah, they said the aliens realized this, that there's, there's no intelligent life in that vehicle, so they left. <laughs> I said, oh, thanks a lot. So, <laughs> Oh, hockey players? Eh, move on. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's not true. That's, That's not it. They said these guys are a drag. Let's just go find somebody more exciting. No. That's That's, that's wild. That's crazy, so, yeah. I, I we just find it to be interesting to hear oh, people, what people say about this. Um, mm -hmm. you also are very busy with your own podcast, right? It's called View from the Penley Box and um you know, my accountant has been so good to me over the years. Like, he really has. He's been above and beyond. He's, and so he always invites me out every Friday, let's go for a drink. And so he has all his friends that he, he's from Edmonton that he grew up with, and they're all still friends. So we go have a beer or two, three, four, whatever. And we sit down and talk. And somebody would say something, and I just automatically go, I got a story about that. And they say, well, let's hear it. So I tell my stories. And I've done this for a number of years, and 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 they just, I just I don't know why I seem to remember all these stories, and so they'd always you know say to me, well you got to write a book. This is unbelievable, and and so my son had heard me tell a few stories, and one day he said, we should do a podcast, and I said, why? He said, well, so you can share your stories. I said, I don't care if I share my stories. Like, why? He goes, well you should. You got anyways. So we've done 50 episodes so far, 
And uh, we haven't done much over the last eight, 10 months just because of COVID and so on. But, uh, you know, we don't make any money. I don't have any sponsors. It costs us money. And so the reason that I do it is because, in all honesty, is because with my son, you know, he's starting to find things out about me that he never knew. When he comes up with topics and that, and I start talking, he'd say to me, after, I didn't know that. You never tell me that. And so it's a way to bring the two of us closer. And that's the only reason that I do it. I mean, again, as I said, you know what, I'd rather have the money and nobody know who I am. And, you know, I don't really care if I do my podcast, but they seem to seem to people like them. And so, you know what, I mean, they send in and ask, you know, can you talk about this and what about that? And, and you know, I thrive on the questions because when you're trying to always figure out what you want to talk about, um, you know, and, and you only have so many stories, you can't, it's like, you know, there's more and more that I keep thinking of that I forgot about. But uh, so that's why I do my podcast. And again, you know, I, I, I would love anybody that cares to look at this view from the penalty box and, uh, we just have some fun. It's not, you know, every week I got one coming out, but, uh, you know, we try to do it fairly regular and, and, you know, once I do it, I'm glad I did it and I do have fun. So thank well, you for bringing that we up. We had fun talking to you. So thank, thank you. you for sharing your, you're hilarious. I feel like we, we didn't even touch on like half of your career, but you know, yeah. there's, time and place yeah. and and i yeah, think yeah, uh yeah. Well, we can sure... do it again anytime thanks do you anytime. do um social media do you, you i know you said you you want to be the guy not wearing the bright red canadians jacket but yeah uh... yeah yeah well my son he handles all that stuff for me and uh you know probably lately um because i did score that double overtime game against toronto um so the toronto and the Montreal Canadiens are playing right now in a series. And the last time that the two teams met in playoffs was back in the day when I scored the goal. And they haven't beat Montreal, hasn't lost to the Leafs since 1967 in playoffs. And so I have got a lot of phone calls from the Montreal radio stations, the newspapers, Toronto newspapers, radio Ottawa, which is pretty close to Toronto, plus a bunch of other people. So because these two teams are meeting in the playoffs and, you know, I did what I did way back when, I'm getting a little bit more publicity than I, I have um, through the newspapers. I probably get on radio talk shows two, three, four times a year. But now it's been quite a bit. So nice. I'll enjoy it while it lasts. Thank you so much for coming yeah. on and talking yeah. to us. Well, I'm, I'm glad you reached out and uh, you two ladies are pretty good people. Thanks for coming over to our House of Hockey podcast and hanging out with us. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. Just look for House of Hockey podcast. We'll be back next week.